This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by my counterpart to my, I guess that would be to my left right now, Nick Horwat. How are you doing, Horwat? I mean, we're coming off of the biggest loss of the season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thoughts are down in the city of Pittsburgh, but realistically, the Penguins are 3-1-2. It's... It's it's great. This is not a bad day, dude. I didn't even watch the game yesterday, to be fair, and <laughs> m- most of that was because of local blackouts. Because I'm not paying for cable. I don't understand. Mm. I've I've not seen good reviews about the AT and T Sportsnet app. I still should probably mm. maybe give it a shot. And ESPN Plus blacked out locally. You gotta love it. So I couldn't even watch the game. Uh, but I was also busy. As a matter of fact, if we want to like talk about the game. I was leaving my apartment building at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in the car, flipped the game on the radio. It was that shift where the Penguins were really holding it in the zone. It looked oh, like they were about yeah. to get one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I so I pulled out of the parking spot. The Lightning scored. Like, okay, shit happens. 2 nothing. So be it. I'm not even completely out of the parking lot yet, and we were down 3 nothing. Yeah. Um, my parking lot is not that big, but... Yeah. That was a quick way to go down 3 nothing, And uh, I didn't turn the game off because I couldn't watch it, so I kept it on and suffered in uh, driving through the rain. But still, uh, that was a, an experience. I don't think I've ever been like in the same vicinity of a moving car and two goals s- seen a team score two goals. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? Things happen, I guess. Yeah, obviously, you're talking about the second and third goals for the Tampa Bay Lightning that were, I believe, 15 seconds apart, something in that area. So uh, it was was not the most fun game, if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, as they take a loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-1. It is their first regulation loss of the season, which, if we're talking honestly, I did not think would be in the sixth game of the season. I thought it would have happened before. So I'm not all that upset at the Tuesday night performance of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is how opening night was supposed to look. And the Penguins surprised the Tampa Bay Lightning with a really good forecheck, with really, you know, a lot of tenacity from all four forward lines and the defense, and from a really stellar performance on opening night by Tristan Jari. Some of those things Tampa Bay was ready for this time. Now, obviously, the Penguins are without Carter and Rust as well that they did have on opening night. But Tampa Bay was ready for that forecheck. The first period was a really good period. I mean, this entire game, and I I know that not everybody's a UFC fan, but this entire game felt like a big title fight in the UFC where the champion is honestly leagues above where the challenger is, but the challenger is going to put up a good fight. An absolutely phenomenal first round or first period where it's blow by blow back and forth yet nobody really gets an edge. The cream rises to the top in the second. The damage is done. Tampa Bay takes a 3-0 lead because they just had that talent. You saw it with Braden Point and Andre Pilat. And really, I believe Victor Hedman had a sneaky good game in this outing. And then, of course, in the third period, 
the challenger is already beat down down three to nothing for the penguins has not much left to give and is too far behind to come back and the the champion at this point just kind of paces and that's what andre vasilevsky did late into this third period he just shut the penguins down so it really felt like a big ufc title fight and i feel like that's how all ufc fights end up going unless it's Usman Covington, which I'm excited to watch in a couple weeks. But realistically, that's how I felt this game kind of went. It's interesting that you called it a title fight, considering that's what game one was supposed to be, really. Yeah. The two, the last two back-to-back champions pitting, getting, being pit against each other. Uh, but here's the thing. If we really think about it, you mentioned this is the way the first game should have gone. Yeah. Well, it is. If you look at our injury report and COVID report, this is the way the first six games should have gone. I am not yeah. disappointed in this downfall at all. No. Um, I think that's kind of why I'm still in a cheery mood. Like, it is the defending yeah. two-time Stanley Cup champion. We have no first-line center right now, okay? We have. We don't have our first, second, or third-line center. Exactly. Bluger's play, our fourth. He's playing on the third line right now. God bless him. Brian Boyle's been a ton of fun. Drew O'Connor should still be in this lineup. It's, but we are out there with Sam Lafferty, guys. We are out there with Dom Simone, who probably won't be here once all is said and done. We're missing everybody. This is the way the first six games should have gone. We should not have blown out Toronto the way we did. We should not have stayed in the game in Florida, really, in game two. Uh, what was our other overtime loss? Dallas. Dallas, 2-1. to one. That, 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 that game was Dallas, so, you know. But... In reality, if you would have told me with a fully healthy lineup in the first six games of the season we would have one regulation loss, fully healthy, I'm taking that. Yeah. Here we are without any of our top players, and we're killing it. I'm not mad at this game. It's just, it finally happened. We finally got our, hey, this is the way the team really, not should be looking, but this is what is going to happen when we don't have our stars in the lineup. Every team has bad games. Okay, every team has them. This is not panic season yet. This isn't Toronto where this has been going on for four years. This is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Bad games happen. We have seen the Penguins play at fully at full health. We have seen them play horrendously. Now I didn't see this game, so I can't say if the if the play was good or bad. We shut them out through the first period. Something, you know, that's decent, right? I don't know the shots or anything, but it was 12 to 10 in favor of Tampa. Hey, that's close. Again, like I said, for those two lineups, yeah, they're missing Kucherov, but Stamkos is healthy for once. I don't know. I take this game and just say it's our first bad game of the year. We're going to have a couple of more. Uh, we just can't string them together. And we get this one off our backs and we move on. It was the Stanley Cup champions, top of the league, and our lineup is depleted and has been all year. Take it with taking a stride and move on, everybody. It's funny when you said we're missing uh, like all of our star players. I, I had the need, and you saw me looking down probably on the feed here. I had the need to look and see how much salary cap money oh, yeah. is actually out of the lineup. 31.55. I might have messed it up because I'm doing it on my Apple Watch, but 31.55 million dollars in an 81.5 million dollar cap is missing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Clearly, clearly, they're shorthanded, which everybody obviously knows. So I, I do agree with you. It, it, there's no time to be upset right now that the Penguins lost 5-1 to one 
to the Tampa Bay Lightning because they haven't had an easy schedule either. I mean, you have at Tampa, you have at Florida to start. Those two teams are really good. Dallas played you like Dallas likes to play you. You can say what you want about Toronto and their start. They're still a good hockey team. They're, they're a good hockey team. And Chicago, no matter how bad they are. Yeah, and, Chicago and then Chicago was, is not great. They were supposed but, to be good. They were supposed to have just gotten the Vezina winning goaltender. They were supposed to have someone decent with Seth Jones. Well, what the hell happened there? He is done for, it seems. And it was a healthy Taves. Kane is still in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell is going on with Strom, but things. Yeah. Alex Dabrinkit is still very good. Kirby Dock is still very good, despite turning into a pest a little bit we just walked all over them and i think that's just the way chicago is right now they have a bunch of bullshit happening more than just off ice stuff that on ice product is not good right now yet getting a guy like flurry and having a guy like lankin it doesn't help when your defense is tits yeah morale (laughs) morale is very low in chicago so let's not discuss that one any further but yeah we handled them and then we go and then we go and crush toronto and kill their hopes and dreams yeah and then we come back against tampa and get played like we should have been playing yeah there's a fly in my screen it's annoying me sorry i keep (laughs) looking at it no problem man um no you kind of threw me off a little bit there i can't remember what i was gonna say but just to talk a little bit more about this game specifically there were really early fireworks i mean tampa bay all year if you have been watching them or at least looking at their highlight packs they're playing a very, very aggressive style of hockey. I mean, Steven Stankos himself has, I believe, like two suspendable plays huh. already this season. I mean, he hasn't gotten a penalty for either of them. I think he might have gotten a two-minute for one of them. But, like, that's just kind of an idea of the style of play they're trying to play because they are struggling to start the year, and it's frustrating. I mean, they're such a good team, and to start the way that they have and to lose a guy like Nikita Kucherov, put on the LTIR... It's not an easy start to the season for them. So that's the way they were going to play regardless. And then you have the Sam Lafferty hit on Ryan McDonough. Now, it was a hard hit. It was a clean hit, clearly. I mean, yeah, McDonough went into the boards pretty hard, and it was slightly from behind. The ref said it was a clean hit for a reason. And then McDonough, of course, retaliating, getting a four minutes worth of penalties. Lafferty, standing up for himself, gets two minutes worth of roughing penalties. And then afterwards... Penguins can't convert. Afterwards, Corey Perry goes after Sam Lafferty. They have a fight. That's basically how that first period went. It got chippy. There were chances back and forth. There were power plays back and forth, which was vastly different than the game we saw two weeks ago where each team only got one power play opportunity. Kind of forgot Corey Perry uh, was Tampa Bay's like the fighting Corey Perrys right now. Yeah, it is apparently. (laughs) Fighting the Sam Lafferty's of the world. Um, yeah, I heard, I, I didn't even pay attention to Twitter last night. I'm like kind of (laughs) not lost on this game. I heard like the second, the tail end of the second period and then a little Mm -hmm. bit of the third. So I'm not completely lost, but, um, boy, oh boy. (laughs) Sam Lafferty is still trying to fight for an NHL spot, huh? I I mean, honestly, he's trying to make a difference. Yeah. And he's trying to get noticed. And here's the thing. The fight is, it is what it is. Corey Perry's coming after you for what you did to McDonough. I understand that. Sam Lafferty was basically everything Sam Lafferty has been in the NHL. A really good first 10 minutes, flying all over the place, and then just basically fading into oblivion the second and third period. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. With his 
now no hair. Uh, His Mike Yo haircut. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> wild seeing him still in this lineup, man. I don't know who else we could pull up at this point, though. I mean, we called up Bjorkvist for a healthy scratch situation. Yeah, same thing we did the POJ last week. Yeah, it's but uh, beyond that, who do you put in place for him if you really don't want Lafferty in the lineup that badly? I don't know. I kind of want to let the Wilkes-Barre lineup stay as it is because it looks strong, and I just want to see what they do together yeah, as let, a group. let them work. So maybe one of the veterans that we signed. Uh, Chaput. Chaput, yeah. Let him play kind of anywhere because – it's he's not one we're really worried about with the future he's kind of co- not cooked but he's got his he's simmered he could come up and take a Lafferty spot if we really don't want him in the lineup but Lafferty's got the NHL experience and I think that's why he's up and willing to fight for it I'll give him that credit right mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure I'm trying to see what happened to Anthony Angelo because he was not in that lineup. He might be injured right now on on cap friendly. He's not on the IR, but he might be injured. I don't know. He's not in the lineup down there in Wilkes-Barre. I would imagine that's the only reason he wouldn't be playing. Yeah, that's got to be the reason. Oh, so. and those those that Corsi number does not good look good for Lafferty. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Lafferty's not really a puck possession type of guy. He's kind of just a. If I get it on my stick, I'm going to be a jackrabbit. Go up the ice as fast as possible. Try to hit somebody and hopefully get a, the puck on my stick with somewhere to go. So the wild thing about the Toronto game is Lafferty was in that lineup. Yeah. I did not know that until I was watching replays and I was at the game. Yeah. That's, that's, he's that invisible, man. I think he was the only guy in that game that got less than 10 minutes of ice time. I think so too. So, it, I mean, it makes sense. It, it's, it's, he's doing what he can. And honestly props to him because he's yeah. an NHL player and yeah. he's more talented than I ever will be. But when you look at this roster and then you look at some of the guys in the Wilkes-Barre roster, it's only a matter of time before he's going to need to find a different organization to play with. Leapfrog. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And hey, I'm sure there are teams out there that would love to have him. Just a guy, as long as he plays like that, where he's willing to, you know, play play with a little bit of edge, not worry about, you know, if it's a future Hall of Famer he's dropping the gloves with, man. It's... yeah. He wants he wants to play hockey, clearly. There's no, you know, not wanting to be there sense from him. He's got the drive. Do you think Corey Perry is a future Hall of Famer? Possibly. I don't. No, I, I also said... I mean, he has, he has a cup, but... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I sh- should probably hold by it if I said... Uh, what's his name? Jeff Carter has a shot at it in the far future. Yeah, I guess that that is that is fair. I don't know. I I think we're just so removed from Corey Perry's glory years that I forget what kind of player he used to be. Fifty goals, exactly. Not- so I like that. I don't know. He never. I, I haven't really looked at his career in whole yet he, because I've never thought to. I will say he has never topped a hundred points. Um, he just passed like two games ago, eleven hundred games, uh, eight hundred eighteen career points so far anything i mean that's a product of playing most of your career in anaheim one time mvp okay yeah, yeah that 50 this... goal year yeah mm. um i don't know 11 game winners that year holy hell yeah I, I don't know i don't know if he he's quite a hockey hall of famer he's got a couple gold medals on his resume too but i i yeah i i, I don't know i'm not sure i i would have to actually look at his career in depth to actually think that but off hand off you know off bucks I don't, I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. I mean, at least not, not a, a lot, not for sure. Not first ballot, for sure. Yeah, no. 
but no. that's one of those questions. He's one of those middle of the road players where you have that conversation about kind of like I opened mm-hmm. up with Jeff Carter before. It's it's possible he's got a resume there. It just has to yeah. it's got to close out strong. Yeah. So uh, a couple more notes on this game before we keep it moving here. Mikhail Sergachev with just a boneheaded, probably one of the most boneheaded penalties I've ever seen. I mean, first of all, the NHL is paying attention to cross-checking in the first place. Second of all, I understand Evan Rodriguez slashing around the hands of Andre Vasilevsky. You don't like that. So you cross-check him to the ground right at the whistle. The, the refs were like, all right, you know, fair. You know, go ahead. That's fair. But to stand over the guy, whilst in between three referees within an arm's distance, wait for the guy for about 10 to 15 seconds to get up onto his knees and then cross-check him in the back of the neck. I don't understand what that was. Oh, the Brendan Dubinsky special. It, honestly. That's what that was. I was like, that... There's been very few times that I've been as heated as I was when I saw that. Just because I was like, how stupid can you be? Like, it wasn't malicious. Like, he wasn't going to put Rodriguez on the shelf. But it was a little shot to just say, hey, fuck you. Like, don't do that to my goaltender. But it's like, you already got one in. You should probably notice that you're standing over top of him like Juju over Perfect, And then waiting for that long just to get a little cross check in. It was just like... Are you stupid? Like, what was that? That was a horrible play. And then, of course, he goes on to have a really good game. But after that, Wait, but it's Mikel I just I didn't understand that. Of course, yeah, I didn't. Under, I didn't understand that play. Ah, that gets sometimes things get to you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Protecting your goalie, maybe something was said, and he just I'm already maybe. standing over Toppy. Why would you say something more? You're the one down there. Boom. Uh, something tells me that Evan Rodriguez, like I feel like he can't swear. Like his face. Like, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I, like, look at his face, and he feels like the, like, Steve Rogers, Captain America, like, don't swear, because this is a children's program kind of face. The crimson chin. Honestly. (laughs) You can't swear. Only the 1989 crimson chin can swear. I love deep childhood cuts that no one's going to get. No, there's going to be people people that get that. Shout out to those people. If you, if you did get that, like, tag us at Iceberg Podcast. Be like, hey, just say, I got it. Don't even have to reference what you're talking about. Just tag us, say, at Iceberg Podcast, and say, I understand. And we'll we'll know what you mean. And everybody else that's listening to this and understands will know what you mean. It'll be a nice thing. I like that. And he got canceled for it. He did. <laughs> he 100% got canceled for that. So the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was Tristan Jari, simply because on this show thus far into the season – I have been singing his praises a lot for good reason, because I knew the second that he had a bad period, one bad period, this was going to happen. He was lit up online for his second period performance. And honestly, some of it is fair. He did not have a good period. He was really bad at points. Two of those three goals were really bad to let up. But there's people going back to saying, oh yeah, he's garbage. Remember? This is, this is the real Tristan Jari. It's like, really, you're not taking the four-game sample size against the 20 minutes? Not even a full 20 minutes because this was all within what? like a, I mean, the first goal was a couple seconds into the period. He was cheating on a two-on-one, and a player like Braden Point is going to notice that. And he put it in a very good position, and Point put a backhand top shelf. Jari just leaned a little bit. He should have trusted Dumoulin there in a two-on-one. But again, he cheated a little bit, and Braden Point, being the player that he is, took advantage. And again, still, brain point, shoving it up my hoop forever saying that he was not a star player. And then the second goal, the Penguins have that great push you're talking about. You, you sat in the car and first heard that. They looked amazing. 
We're in the zone for like 30 to 40 seconds. Couple good opportunities. Vasilevsky standing on his head. And then Jari just gets beat glove side, something that we saw a lot of in the Islanders series last year. But Andre Palat just beats him. Jari's a little out of position and isn't able to make the save. That's one that if you're Tristan Jari, you'd like to have back. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you need to have a save made there. And he just wasn't able to make it. So those two goals, I think, were on him. The third goal, of which was another 10 seconds after the second one. Listen, the shot by Ryan McDonough was a rocket. Okay? That's in the first place. Second of all, you had four of your players puck watching and leaving McDonough step into that shot in the slot. So that I put on the Penguins' defense. Too much puck watching. Jesse Marshall put a video up basically immediately after showing the Penguins puck watching in that situation. So yeah, Jari gets beat a bad third time there. It's not really his fault, but he has a bad period. Let's not bury this man. He is not dead yet. He's fine. He's fine. It's just one bad period. Hopefully, I'd like to see him play against Calgary on Thursday, or tonight, I guess it would be, and bounce back. How did this entire fan base make it through the flurry era if we're going to get mad over one bad period? I think what it was is... We had built up a wall, and this is literally just me talking out of my ass. But Isn't it usually we, between us? Honestly. <laughs> I feel like we built up a wall of just ignoring blatantly bad performances with Flurry until we got a guy like Matt Murray, and then we were like, okay, you know what? We don't have to deal with bad performances anymore because we have Matt Murray. That like There's a standard. And then Matt Murray got bad, and we just kind of shipped him out of here. And now we're in that mode where if you don't perform, you're going to be in the ire of this fan base. Like, we can't deal with one bad performance. We're, we're not. It needs to be. Like, especially because it's probably exasperated because it's the end of the Crosby Malkin era. It's like, we can't have you sucking. You need to be good always. And I feel like, obviously, it's not fair for anybody. But, I mean, Tristan Jari, I, I just think nobody's going to really fully trust. The people that are saying that are not going to fully trust him until he performs in the postseason. So we're going to probably see that throughout the rest of the season. We're, I guess we're also just a fan base not used to goalie turnover. I mean, it's not like we're Philadelphia out here with seven goalies in a year. It's not it's the same situation. I mean, we sat through I – mean, this is taking it way back. Tom Barrasso for ages and ages on then. Yeah. Uh, then there was some tur- turnover era, and then we got flurry. Ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Matt Murray, Tristan Jari, you throw De Smith in there for a little bit because of injuries. It was we're at, we're in a different era of goaltending, I guess, yeah. in this city. It's harder to understand because it's again we're not just folding folding into every game of here's Flurry and whoever the hell is his backup to today. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, hey we have Tristan Jari who's gonna be solid this regular season. We're waiting on the postseason for uh, some real real performance. That's you're, you're, it's fair, totally fair, mm-hmm. but enjoy his regular season because we got to get to the postseason so he can prove it to you. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask if you remembered, and I just looked up his hockey DB. I was going to say, I thought there was a stint there where Kenny Raggett was actually like the starting goaltender for a consistent period of time, but he never played more than 46. I mean, 46 games in a season is a starting goaltender, but he played, you know, between 1993, 94, and 1997-98, he played the majority, or at least half of, the games for the Pittsburgh Penguins in net. Yeah, because Barrasso had some injury issues. Uh, mm-hmm. 
than just Tommy being Tommy. So Ken Ray gets in there, but it's just not the same because you know he was. I don't know. It that one, I mean we weren't around for that, so I really can't dive too deep into that. But yeah, my negative one year old brain can't remember Ken at that point Reggett. in time. Yeah, oh, well. Kenny Reggett. Yeah. Uh, so just to close it with one last thing on goalie talk, Andre Vasilevsky was on top of his game. Finally, he was really good. He was, he was what you would expect Andre Vasilevsky to be 28 saves on 29 shots, got much better as the game went on. And eventually by the third period, it was like a boa constrictor. He had the penguins by the throat and it was, they were not going anywhere. Luckily they, they broke through at the end there. Jason Zucker getting a nice goal set up by Jake Gensel, but uh, you know, five to one, you didn't get shut out and actually interesting stat was Andre Vasilevsky has never shut out the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we can hang our hat on that. We, we kept that streak alive. That's, that's cool. For a guy who's got quite a few in his career. Um, yeah. 26 to be exact. Also his, yeah, his numbers don't look phenomenal yet this year. So mm-hmm. he's just, he is just finding his game, I guess. Yeah. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the man who I just said had an assist on Tuesday. And we're going to talk about Kasperi Kapanen as well. So, realistically, have Kapanen and Gensel been a disappointment so far this year? We'll get into that right after the break. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Penguins are coming off of their first regulation loss of the season, and you hate to have really a negative segment following that because we're not sad. We're not upset about it, as we talked about in the first segment of this podcast. We are actually quite all right with it. I mean, you're going to have a bad game every once in a while, especially when you have 33 million plus in your salary cap out of the lineup. But the two players that are in the lineup, Kasperi Kapanen and Jake Gensel, they're kind of the top dogs of the forward core right now. And the question that I want to pose, Horwat, have they been a disappointment thus far? I mean, we'll go one by one, but overall, have the two of these guys been a disappointment? I don't know about disappointment as much as a they're in the mo- they're in the mode of get the monkey off the back. They yeah. haven't been disappointing because I mean we'll get into it individually, but they both have four points on the year. 
that's yeah the, the leaders are five yeah it's early but they've been contributing just in a non-noticeable way i mean jake cancels the only one of the goal between the two we're all waiting on uh kasperi kapanen to break through with a big goal scoring season mm-hmm. um but that takes time it's not going to happen right away it's an 82 game season we're only six games in but so far um i wouldn't say disappointment as much as i would just say it's been the curve of getting into the season again it's lagging on a little longer than it should but just they got to kick through get the monkey off their back that's where i stand on it yeah i I would honestly say that personally i've been a little disappointed because of the expectations that i had or, or more so not even expectations but the hopes that i had had for these two guys while crosby was out while malkin was out now losing jeff carter is also a big thing and having a guy like evan rodriguez step in who honestly i don't think evan rodriguez has played bad as a first line center to be completely honest considering the situation the penguins are in i think they're probably pretty thankful right now to have Evan Rodriguez playing at the level that he actually is, but he's not at the level of those other three guys. He's never going to be. And that's understandable. It's tough to play when you have, you know, you don't know who your center is going to be from day to day because of injuries, because of COVID. So I don't want to be too harp or harp on them too much. But when I look at these two guys, I wanted them to lead this team while everybody else was out. I wanted them to stand out, be above and beyond. Basically, and we'll start with Kapanen. I wanted Kapanen to be what he was in the preseason. That's also, I think, a reason why I'm a little disappointed in his performance because he was so good in all of the preseason games and he played in all six. He was the only player to play in every single preseason game and he impressed, I mean, at least the only forward. A couple defensemen might have, but he was impressive. I mean, he looked really good. He had his scoring touch going. And he just hasn't been able to find the back of the net so far. Like you mentioned, four assists on the year for him in six games played. He's actually looked pretty good on the ice, but the results just, they're not happening. It's not, he's not showing up on the score sheet as much as he would like to, or as much as really anybody would like him to. Yeah, it's not like uh, Kavanaugh hasn't been collecting his chances, because he has been. It's been, um, he's been inches away from multiple goals this season. I think I mentioned that when we discuss the Toronto game at length a couple or last episode um it just it's just about breaking through he's finding his chances he's finding his rhythm maybe it's because he doesn't have Malkin by his side maybe it's because it's been a bit of a carousel lineup so far to start the year nothing's consistent we don't know what kind of player he is um last year yeah it was his first year back with us but he didn't really have a steady center until he you know, joined forces with Evgeny Malkin, and we saw how great that was. So maybe he just needs a little consistency in his game, and maybe that'll help him, you know, kick this little schneid that he's on. It's not awful. Four assists is nothing to scoff at to start the year. I mean, mm-hmm. through six games, four points, that's not bad, especially in a team, like I said, that has been getting con- contributions from the entire lineup. I mean, there's a ton of people with four points on this team right now, and he's one of them. So that's not bad. It is just a point of we wanted him to see. We wanted to see him be the goal scorer. We wanted to see him have his breakout season. It's a matter of 
kicking it into gear now, getting the monkey off the back, scoring his first one, and then letting the floodgates open, because that's what I feel like is going to happen with Kapanen. He's going to get his first, and it's going to be ball game for the rest of the league. Yeah, and I I would love to see it, because I think we both thought that Kasperi Kapanen was going to go off this year. We both thought that, hey, maybe even a 30-goal performance, and as of right now, he, he's yet to light the lamp. So I think that might also play a factor into it, just because there were expectations for him to come into this season. Last year, it was, hey, you know, let's see what he is. We haven't had him on this team since he was a prospect. So what is he going to be able to do? And he showed a little bit better, especially on the breakaway. He was finishing all of his chances. So, yeah, there might be a regression when it comes to those finishes. But at the same time, we just need to see him score a little bit more. Now, even his underlying numbers, his Corsi 4 is 58.27. His scoring chances 4 percentage is 52.78. They're not bad. He's playing at a pretty high level, all things considered. It's just he's not finishing. And that's something that was always a knock on Kasperi Kapanen before he came to Pittsburgh, whenever he was playing with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is he didn't quite finish enough of his chances. I'm not saying he's going to regress to that this entire season, but that's what we've seen into this point. It is a small sample size, and honestly, the, the phrase small sample size, between this podcast, between the hockey hotbed, and then anybody else that talks to me, I'm going to be saying that until mid-November about everybody, about every team, about everything in the NHL, because it is. Only six games, but he's still good underlying numbers, just needs to find the back of the net. Uh, his scoring chances, by the way, while on the ice, I believe this is... At five on five, uh, I can't remember because I didn't write the note down when I was setting all these notes up, but it's 38 to 34. So it's not awful. He's he's getting a lot, and he's realistically not doing great in the defensive zone. It's for every chance he gets, it's a chance that he gives up. But at the top of the lineup, if he's finishing those, you let that go. That's where he needs to be focusing now, is just being able to finish the chances and get that goal number at least up a little bit more than zero. <laughs> yeah. I think more than zero is ideal. That's where we want to start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe he'll get one tonight against Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, no, it's every, ga every game is a new game. And like we mentioned, he's getting close. He's getting his opportunities. His numbers do look good for, um, you know, Corsi, Fenwick, all that stuff. I don't understand that you do. <laughs> it's It looks good. It looks above average, which is what it's supposed to be. And... Again, you can't knock four assists. Two two against Toronto, by the way. So he's got a yeah. multi-point game. It's not like this has been all for nothing. Um, and the, the key there, you said it, it's the small sample size that everyone's kind of sitting with right now. It's hard to have these kind of discussions this early in the season just because it is so early in the season. Every game is a new yeah. game. But, I mean, hell, the Buffalo Sabres look phenomenal right now. How <laughs> long until those wheels fall off? Yeah. Or, you know, I said last episode, Toronto looks broken. How long until they get it together? Because they're going to. We know Toronto's going to get it together, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I would think so. <laughs> Mitch Marner is not usually as bad as he has been. So. Yeah, so it's it's early in the season, and the Penguins look good. For all we know, we can get fully healthy and knock on knock on a lot of wood right now. We could get fully healthy and just absolutely pitfall. Yeah. Let, let's be honest. It's hockey. It's a weird sport. It happened two years ago. Exactly. So... Let's not take anything we're saying, like, 
for full. I don't even know how to put it. It's just a hard situation because it's early in the season. But these are conversations to still be having because, mm-hmm. at least with our lineup, we wanted these guys to lead the team. Yeah, these these discussions are like side effects, not a diagnosis. Yeah, and I will say one thing I've, we've I've noticed over the years, I'm kind of just now realizing, but it's never really been talked about, is that when Crosby or Malkin go down, yeah, it's usually Crosby or Malkin that step up in each other's place. Yeah. But then there's it's never the guys immediately after that you would expect. Like, it's never, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like the Chris Kunitz that's stepping up right away or the, uh, I can't even think of anyone from the old team. It was Kunitz for so long. <laughs> yeah, he's just the go-to. But it's, it's never James the – James Neal during yeah. those early years, James Jordan Neal. Stahl. Yeah. It's I never, mean, Jordan Stahl – usually did but yeah it's never those guys that step up right away it's always we've been it's the same conversation we've been having for years it's why we won two cups it's always those bottom six guys always that they're the ones that get it done that and we get the best out of them because when's the last time you heard carter rowney's name in this league or tom kunakle's name Mm -hmm. you know so we get the most out of these bottom six guys and that's why we are so grateful that like Evan Rodriguez and Drew O'Connor are leading our team right now. Sure, yeah. we would like it to be Jake Gensel or Kasperi Kapanen because we're paying them the money, mm-hmm. and they are on the top lines. But, hey, we're picking up wins without it. And for yeah. what it's worth, Jake Gensel, uh, at least he has a goal. If yeah. you wanted to make that transition. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Jake Gensel a little bit. And I think when I go into this conversation and I think about these two players, I'm actually a little bit more disappointed in Jake Gensel than I am in Kasperi Kapanen because I've at least noticed Kasperi Kapanen yes. playing at a high level. That's fair. Not to say that Gensel has not. I mean, same thing. He has one goal, three assists, four points. A very similar line. The only difference is that he has a goal. And his underlying numbers are around the same too because he has a 58.97 Corsi 4 percentage and a 53.33 scoring chances 4 percentage. And the same thing that I said with Kapanen, 38-34 scoring chances while on the ice. Gensel is at 32 and 28, uh, except the only difference is Gensel's only played five games because he did miss that first game. But it's just to me, and it might be the way that he plays, but I just haven't noticed him. I've seen he makes some very good passes. He set up some opportunities, but I think just because of the overlying style of play between Kapanen and Gensel that I haven't noticed Gensel as much. And when he's not noticed and he's not on the score sheet, it's something that you know, you're wearing an A for a reason. I predicted that he would have 100 points this season. It's not a good start for that prediction. And is it because he needs a center? I hope not, because I didn't think it would be. But maybe he needs somebody better than an Evan Rodriguez, because he also doesn't have Crosby, he doesn't have Malkin, he doesn't have Carter. Evan Rodriguez is a third or fourth line center playing in a top line role. That might make it a little difficult. And also, I'm not sure if he's had a consistent right winger on that line this season. No, uh, not when you lose Rust partway through your first game. Danton Heinen gets booted up there. Mm-hmm. And Kapanen played there for, I now, believe, a game or two. And then Kapanen was there for a couple, so it's not easy. Yeah. The whole small sample size does come into effect here again, but mm-hmm. when you've played six games in, or five games and have had, who, what, four, three different wingers on your opposite side already? Yeah. That's not normal. That's not how it should be. And then also... Yeah two different centers one of them being jeff carter but the other being evan rodriguez who when's the last time jake gensel and evan rodriguez shared a line consistently i don't think ever. exactly so oh well no actually 
beginning of last season when Evan Rodriguez was the right wing of, of legend with Crosby and Gensel. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> but regardless, I mean, one thing that is great about Jake Gensel is he's a student of the game and is able to play with anyone. I mean, if you could play, yeah. if you are able to, you know, produce with Malkin and with Crosby, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same when it's a little bit more inconsistent right now. Yeah. And yeah, you've played with Rodriguez before. Yeah, you've gotten you know uh, uh, productivity out of him. It's a little different when it's not this, uh, you know players of the same caliber. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the downfall is going to come. Yeah, and when you talk about Jake Gensel's potentially being a star player in this league, he has that play driving ability, and he has shown it this season already. But it's just not to the level of maybe say a guy like Braden Point, which we saw basically up close and in person on Tuesday what Braden Point can do to drive plays. He was all over the place early on in that game. And also, one last thing that I did want to mention about Gensel before I move on to this last little caveat is he did technically have COVID. So you never know if he's still dealing with anything with that. I don't want to speculate about it, but he was off because he was on the COVID protocol. You never know if that is an instance or a case either. Something to think about. But before we move on to our shout-outs and call-outs to close out the show, one last thing about these two is both will be more likely to see improved numbers when either Carter or Crosby come back to play on their lines. Sidney Crosby, once again on Wednesday, practiced with the team, took line rushes with the team, and he might be back on Thursday night. Top power play Four unit watch. rushes. Top power play exactly. unit rushes. Not just rushes. He's getting in there. Uh, I've texted you saying, hey, his father is also in town, which... Mm-hmm. You know, might not mean anything i didn't realize he was at the tampa bay game whenever i texted it to you but still yeah have bringing your family in town who a lives across the border and b we have a pandemic still so that's there's yeah. something come on now you're not going to bring your father across the border in a pandemic if you're not going to play right unless he's here for an extended period and we just don't know that because we shouldn't know crosby's personal life like that but still we never have and we never will exactly so <laughs> But who knows? It's a little anecdote of, hey, just maybe, maybe. We won't know until this. Uh, we're recording this the day before the game, so we won't know until this is already put up. So, mm-hmm. you know, interesting, fun stuff. And Crosby could be back soon, and we all know how that's going to go. Expectations yeah, are it, immediately going to rise. It would be a welcome sign to see 87 back on the ice. I'm sure the McDonald's logo at center ice will also be very happy to have its buddy back in in pregame warmups. But we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to close out the show with our shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when signing up at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Horwat, have you been sports betting at all lately? I know you you dip your toe in from time to time. <laughs> I have not sports bet in over a year. I think the closest thing I got yeah. to sports betting was whenever I walked through the uh, the Bet Rivers Sportsbook at PPG Paints Arena, which is a very nice little area. 
Um, but that's the closest I've gotten to sports betting in the last year. So fair. No, I have. Yeah, I've, I've gotten into it a lot more. I mean, when I got the job that I currently have at Odyssey, I work for something called the BetQL Network, which is all sports betting all the time. I mean, it's literally from I believe like six or seven a.m. to eleven p.m. They have t- they have content all the way through. Your buddy Chris Mack, he he also is on the BetQL Network. So yeah, definitely getting into sports betting a lot more. And I, I've had a good week on the DraftKings app. I've taken some money from DraftKings, just chipping away a little bit. Definitely more so because I use promo code THPN. But let's move to our shout-outs and call-outs to close out this episode. Horwat, I'll lead off with a shout-out. I definitely want to save call-outs for the end of the show. Okay. But my shout-out is to former Pittsburgh Penguin Brandon Tanev. Gotta love Turbo. Five goals already on the season for the Seattle Kraken. In seven games. Now, the Kraken haven't had the greatest of starts, but they are 2-4-1, and one, I believe, now. And, listen, Tanev had two goals in Seattle's first ever win at the Nashville Predators. And then Tanev had two goals on Tuesday night in Seattle's second ever win and their first home win against the Montreal Canadiens. So, Turbo getting some real main character power up there in Seattle. Gotta love it. Apparently, he's like the highest selling jersey up there. So, Ooh, I might have to get my, myself a Brandon Tanev cracking home jersey. Good luck. I've heard they've legitimately sold out of them. I don't know. I, Jeez. Well, I also don't have money. So, that would be like three months down the road. Yeah. Or maybe even on a Christmas list. I don't know. Speaking of Seattle, there was, I don't know if you saw, someone tweeted a picture of it. There was, during the Toronto game, there was three Seattle Kraken jerseys uh, in like near the front. None of them were former Penguins. It was like Giordano. Schwartz, I think, mm. and the goalie Grubauer. I think those were the three. Huh. It was interesting. I was, it made no sense, but they were there. And one of them was wearing a Santa hat. Digressing back to it is it is not even Halloween, folks. No, and the only I mean, pre-Christmas thing that I will allow is Target's peppermint coffee, which I've been drinking all morning. Uh, <laughs> Out of your exclusive yes, tip of the iceberg mug that we no longer sell. Maybe we'll do some some merch again in the future but but back to Tanev yeah it's uh remember when we didn't want to get rid of him I guess there was reason yeah um I don't know how much he'd help this team right now because this team seems to be the Penguins at least firing on mostly all cylinders so it's not terrible we've been getting our depth scoring on we've been Mm -hmm. putting up good numbers and hey you know what that contract off the books I get it man it hurts but we have some breathing room well, also, you have to, to realize he's getting much more playing time, much more opportunities oh, yeah. in Seattle than he did in Pittsburgh. So that's also a reason for the increased goal scoring. But uh, one last thing about the Seattle Kraken and Brandon Tanev specifically scoring goals up there at Climate Pledge Arena. I absolutely love Lithium as their goal song. Cool. I mean, it fits the city. It fits the team. I love it. I was going to ask what song they were using. I heard the horns bonkers. It is. It's crazy. And then to hear, like, the main chorus of lithium played through it. It sounds good. Yeah. That's what I thought yeah. was that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. They should have the just gone movement. with the grunge as their team name, but you know, whatever. I'll get past it. No, I like the Kraken. I'm, we're probably going to get used I love to the Kraken. It. Yeah. Um, I'm already used to it. It's <laughs> fair. It's good stuff up there. Seattle should be fun. They will be, they yeah, probably won't good. be great. They haven't gotten off to the hottest of starts. But again, the the downfall of Seattle is going to be Vegas went to the damn cup in their first year. Yeah. It helps that Vegas has not played well this season, but 
I digress on that point. Horwath, what is your shout-out for today? We're going to transition to baseball because I want to shout-out the Atlanta Braves for being the... Hey. Whenever I wrote this shout-out, at least, they were the only likable team left. Uh, still true. And it is still true, <laughs> yes. Out of, out of the final four, which was the Astros, the Red Sox, the Braves, and the Dodgers, yeah. In my eyes, the Braves were the only likable team. And they're doing it without their best player. Yeah. That's what's so fun about this. And now Charlie Morton's hurt, but he got his... Uh, Game one World Series in W. Well, only two innings that worked, though. Hey, the, the team still won, so. Yeah. Uh, former Pirate Charlie Morton, shout out. Um, but yeah, b- big ups to the Braves for, like I said, not just being the only likable team left, uh, making it this far without their best player. We love teams that can make it far without good players. And are there any more storylines I'm missing on that team? They've been fun to watch this year. Yeah, just I just have a couple things off the top of my head. Is This is the first time the Braves have made the World Series since 1999, so shout out to them for the first 21st century World Series bid, their first pennant victory since the 1990s. And also, you know, them making the World Series and going up against the Houston Astros, it just reminds me a little bit of another NL East team that did it a couple years ago in the Washington Nationals. I understand Bryce Harper left before the season, And he went and played for another team. But it just shades of the same thing that last year, you know, the Braves were Ronald Acuna and then everybody else that were really good players. But now, you know, you lose that guy, but everybody else steps up. I mean, I love watching Dansby Swanson, pride of Vanderbilt, play the shortstop position. I mean, yesterday he had an error, but at the same time, I mean, that team is just, it's fun to watch. They're playing against a, what is an actually a very good Houston Astros, I mean, Astros team. Um did I get it in there? Didn't hear me say asterisks. Got it. Yes, I did. Love it. I did. Hey, I'm just that's why I'm just smiling. This year, <laughs> this year we don't think they're cheating and they're actually playing very well. I still don't like Jose Altuve. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, hey, still go Braves and man, I got nothing more. It's the World Series. It's fun baseball finally. It is. Yeah, no, I mean, I've enjoyed this entire postseason. I thought it was really fun. I mean, you go back to the Dodgers-Giants series, a series with 205-win teams. Like, it, that was such a fun series. The Astros, I mean, you could say what you will about them. They've been a really fun team to watch. I mean, beating the White Sox in a really fun series to watch and then being able to go out there and beat the Red Sox, who also, I mean, they had the only time the Red Sox scored was with a grand slam in that series. So, it's been a fun postseason for the MLB. Yeah, that, that's usually how it goes. It's just for once, uh, I have a someone to root for in the fine in the World Series. <laughs> yeah. The Rays would have been fun last year, but still. All right, let's get to the let's move over to callouts. Uh, yeah, the the stuff that honestly, yeah, uh, the stuff we'll just that will haunt your nightmares. It. Yeah, Horwat, I'll let you start with your callout. Cool. Uh, I, sh- I should have used this last week, but I wanted to talk about the Steelers fans last week. This week, it's something that is still relevant because it carries over. Uh, good old, and I know you talked about it, Evander Kane for his uh, mishaps and not good offseason. And then add on the old fake vaccination card on top of it. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. Going from bad to worse in quick time. And also, just having his past make sense now, I guess, because of how much his teammates haven't liked him over yeah. the years. And all the teams he's played for, apparently. It's not yeah. 
ideal for him. Also, just if if the Steve Dangle podcast did a very good little rant on uh, Evander Kane in this whole situation. They took out all of his past discretions, all of them, the gambling, the allegations from his now ex-wife, from all of that, and focused solely on the vaccination card thing. It's still a pretty big issue here. You're still yeah. an asshole because you're yeah. not taking it seriously. You're a professional athlete who travels the world. And then you have, then you are adding on all these other things, which if, you know, if you do have, if there is a gambling addiction there, that needs to be handled a different way. But just everything else that has been thrown on top of it is not getting any better. And I just randomly want to bring this up. Uh, as a player, very overrated. I pulled his numbers up because I was just curious. He has mm-hmm. only ever peaked at, was it 54, 56 points? Yeah. Why is he getting paid as much as he is? Pascal Dupuis has a higher point total in a season than that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's, I'm not going to go too much into statistics because I'm not calling him out mm-hmm. for not being a good player because he's okay, but just mm-hmm. very overrated. He's been a minus most of his career. And. I mean, he's one of the last Atlanta Thrashers. That's yeah, that's true. Not a good start. And it's just just becoming one of the most unlikable characters in the league because of everything. And that's apparently just been the in-the-room thing with him over the years. Just mm-hmm. unlikable, not fun to be around. And I think his penalty minutes since his last year in Buffalo have reflected that he last two, two of the last three seasons, he led the league in penalty minutes. I did not know that (laughs) for someone that's supposed to be getting paid how much money to score goals. uh, That's not how that works, man. And also faking a vaccination card is not how that works. Yeah. Uh, So Evander Kane, fuck all the way off and get yourself some help if you genuinely do need it. And then figure the rest out. We've seen, especially over the past year, players being able to go into the NHL and NHLPA. Uh, I can't, I can't think of the wording right now. But Carey Price goes into it. Jonathan Drouin took a step back, and those two guys did it in Montreal. Which I don't want to, you know, elevate or send anything down. I don't, I don't want to really rank anything. But doing it in Montreal, I mean, the scrutiny that you can get in that city is kind of ridiculous, almost at points. But, you know, if you need help, you can get help. And if you if you don't need help and you're still doing this regardless, I mean, it's not about not being vaccinated. It's it's not about that. It's about lying about being vaccinated because that could put people at serious risk. And it's just very selfish, in my opinion. It is. It extremely is. It's this goes for the regular people too. lying like lying about it is a completely different situation than not being vaccinated if you're not vaccinated it's your choice i get it's it. it's your choice hopefully you have a good reason for it if you are faking it so you can still do regular things like if you're faking it that's where the issue become comes in that's why people are getting arrested over it that's why people are getting massive fines over it yeah um and like i said he's a canadian born citizen who i'm assuming lives in america but still has that probably has dual citizenship where he can go back and forth like that you're traveling the world because you're a professional athlete um with the pandemic and it's just the wrong thing to do period it's Mm -hmm. 
hard to put into words, but yeah, yeah, just that's not the smart shit to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to close this out, and I, I don't like having this last. Um, so I will obviously talk about this more on my next episode of the Hockey Hotbed. It's going to be basically my entire episode so. on on Friday. But uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have my call out. And I know sometimes we, we say things lightly like, oh, we're calling them out because of this. But this is not this is not a light matter. So I'm calling out the Chicago Blackhawks and specifically the individuals that were in the May 23rd quote unquote meeting following their Western Conference championship clinch against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, the meeting that was about all of these allegations and that's John McDonough, Jay Blunk, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and Joel Quenville were all in that meeting. Um, obviously, this is all coming at the the feet of the release of this information and the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks that happened on Tuesday and their handling of sexual misconduct allegations during the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, what it basically unveiled is, is that they chose to not take any action until their quest for the cup, and then also their subsequent celebration for the cup had ended. And in the meantime, you know, somebody was assaulted by that same individual. That individual was allowed to be around the team, to be around the individuals that he had assaulted as well. So it is just, it is so blatantly just, I don't even have the words. So I will definitely get into it more on the hockey hotbed just because I'm going to have basically 25, 35 minutes to talk about it there. But just the handling of this and the fact that anybody, it doesn't matter who said it, but the fact that anybody even had the notion of, well, it's very tough to get to the Stanley Cup finals and I don't want to mess with team chemistry by having this come out. That train of thought right there is so blatantly dangerous and so blatantly ignorant that, yeah, I I hope the penalty for, for all of the human beings involved in this is very severe because it's just absolutely asinine reading it. And if you go through and read the report, it was roughly 70 pages explaining the entire investigation that was performed by the law company of Jenner and Block. I suggest if you really care about it, which I hope you do, that you go and read it. I I read the whole thing. It it took a while because it it is very graphic and it is a lot, but just it's ridiculous reading that and thinking that people actually behave like that. Also, I mean, the the Chicago Blackhawks players, the the subsequent year after that, that were harassing the player for, you know, the absence of the guy that uh, I believe his name was, his his name is Aldrich. I can't remember his first name. Brad Brad Aldrich. um, Harassing him because Brad Aldrich was not there. And then also, like, it's just, it's a lot to take in. And it's just, absolutely horrendous reading that and the nhl has taken action since the release of this information they find the chicago blackhawks two million dollars which i understand people are are a little upset about that and it's kind of like putting a price tag on suffering but at the same time the people remaining in the chicago blackhawks organization from that time are very minimal stan bowman stepped aside he i don't know about stepping aside being the right phrasing he should never be in the nhl again and also, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, words from Gary Bettman to Kevin Sheveldayoff to Joel Quenville, who were still employed by the NHL. So all of these guys, they're going to they're gonna need to face some serious scrutiny and some serious penalties because their handling of this is just horrendous or was just horrendous. It, yep. No, 
the penalties need to be handed down. It's the price tag thing, two million dollars. I think people don't look at it as enough because we see fourth liners get paid more than that. It's yeah, that's part of it. I think we look at the numbers maybe just being too low. I don't know. Um, it's hard dishing out a fine for something like that. You would assume mm-hmm. there's some more behind the scenes stuff we're not aware of. Like you said, people yeah. are gonna get talked to. Yes, Stan Bowman stepped aside, which is a very interesting term. Uh, We've heard of steps down, which is what I think was the term used for his USA, uh, Team USA gig. Mm -hmm. But stepping aside makes it sound like he'll be back. That's the part I didn't like. Where that's yeah, it's he's saying when you step aside from something, you have the goal of coming back, and I think that's where the issue lies with the Stan Bowman thing for me. I don't want to dig too far deeper into speaking it into this podcast i'm going to try and direct everyone to listen to your episode because hey that's where we'll have more time you'll have more time to discuss it you'll have more time to go into the details and mm-hmm. but the hawks handled it wrong and i can remember whatever flurry never that whole thing with flurry started happening we said to ourselves on this podcast hey if he didn't want to go there because of that we couldn't blame him we couldn't now it's a mm-hmm. different situation it's a different team yes but this is something that's going to hang over that team for a long time now. If he didn't want to be around it, he didn't yeah. have to be. And now this is going on, and now the team's not doing well. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier in this episode, morale is very low in that town about this team. Mm-hmm. Some of it, woof, woof. It's not good. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that because I just – it's hard to have words for that sort of situation as well. It is. Yeah. We tr- we try to find them here on this podcast because that's what we do. But sometimes it is just very, it's a very difficult thing to talk about. And the last thing that I wanted to do was put it at the end of this show. Um, but that's why I'm also dedicating an entire episode to talking about it because it needs to be discussed. Yeah, yeah. It, it it is it is absolutely just an awful situation. And definitely, like I said, I encourage you to go read it. I have the link that I retweeted on Hockey Hotbed on Twitter. If not, Elliot Friedman has the link up definitely go check that out um and read it if you know like i said it's a it's a difficult read but it's a read that a lot of people need to need to make and know what's going on in that situation because that that two million dollar fine i i get why people are upset but at the same time you look at the way that most of the organization handled that the second hr got it stuff actually happened it's just kind of the actions of those six men that were in that meeting following their victory over the San Jose Sharks in game four, those guys and their handling of it is where the issue is. And and the fact that they didn't follow team policy and they didn't follow realistically like human decency and, and put a team above an individual's safety and and an individual's life. So um, that's, that's where I I stand on it. They put personal successes over someone's well-being. That's what it was. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Thank you to everybody that tuned in today and thank you to everybody that tunes in every week because we truly appreciate all of the support you give us we'll see you guys next week have a good weekend pens fans you can follow us on twitter at nick horwat 41 and at nick underscore berlansky you can also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet 
or at the hockey podcast network.com every team everywhere